This is James Ridler for Food Manufacture, and I was in conversation with Kirsten Robinson and Julia Kessler, co-founders of adult soft drinks firm Nicks and Kicks, asking them about their journey in setting up the business and the challenges that they faced along the way. Uh, so, first thing I'd like to know is uh, what you did before Nicks and Kicks. Yes, so I I was working in the financial industry before starting Nicks and Kicks. I was working for big corporates. I was working for um, HSBC was my last employer, Deutsche Bank, Credit Suisse, uh, so, so quite big companies. And um, yeah, just uh, at some point thought uh, there may be something else, you know, that is more exciting out there, especially food and drinks was always kind of a passion. So uh, completely different, obviously, to to um, the finance industry in many ways, but um, also actually quite helpful then it turns out to have that finance background um, for, yeah, starting a business. And Julia, the same question to you. Yeah, so my my background is also not in food and drinks. My my background is actually in in operations and supply chain, mostly for big tech companies, so hardware tech as well as software. So I was working for various different companies from Sony Ericsson to Intuit and Blackberry. And I was working across different continents and um, managing different manufacturers and warehousing across the globe, which is obviously super helpful and relevant for, for Nix and Kicks. But, but yeah, then decided at some point to start a business with, with Kerstin and yeah, now now we sell mix and cakes. Well, so you've both made it clear that obviously your your expertise didn't originally lie within the food and drink industry. Um, so, what does drove you to you know, start up within that sector? Yeah, so um, food and drinks, yeah, very different, of course, to what we've been doing before, but uh, very very exciting. And I think when we started, there was just um, there wasn't a lot of good. Uh, options especially in the drink space so lots of not very interesting drinks uh, full of sugar full of artificial ingredients and uh, we were just at some point um, visiting a bar uh, not wanting to drink alcohol and we just felt that the options were very limited and um, you know either you drink something uh, very sugary very artificial not very tasty and, uh, you know, it's, it's a treat occasion. So you would like obviously something that tastes good as well. Uh, or you have uh, water or boring uh, options available. So there wasn't really anything there that we could have where we'd say, well, this is kind of exciting. We want to drink that, um, you know, instead of alcohol. So that was the initial idea, but also quite quickly realized that even during the day, if you didn't want to drink another coffee in the afternoon and you wanted to have something a bit, uh, again, a treat, there was just nothing there. So we thought, okay, you know, obviously a bit naive maybe at the time thinking, how hard can it be to make our own drink? Uh, turns out it is actually <laughs> much harder than you think. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we had the, the passion and the determination to give it a go just because we, 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 we saw a real opportunity there. And hopefully now our journey has proven that there was indeed a big opportunity. Anything uh, wanted to add to that, Julie, at all? Yeah, sure. I think just to reiterate what Kirsten said, I, um, we are obviously coming, coming from Germany and having lived in the UK for such a long time. 
at the time and probably still would be if you could go out at the moment. Um, there is that real stigmatism if, if you want to go out after work and and you don't want to drink alcohol. And it's it's not something you experience when you are growing up in Germany. In Germany, meeting up after work doesn't necessarily mean going for a drink for an alcoholic beverage. And we really wanted to give a better opportunity for people when they, when they don't want to drink because there's only so much tonic water you can drink with, without gin in it. And there's only so much cranberry juice you can drink without a nice shot of vodka in it. So we want to really break that and make it a little bit more exciting. And, and that's what we created with Nixon Kicks. Now on your journey into creating Nixon Kicks, uh, what hurdles have you met along the way? <laughs> um, how much time have you got? Um, we, we, <laughs> um, we, have, um, we have come across quite a few hurdles, to be honest. Um, I think one of the biggest hurdles still is, is, is obviously working capital because we, we work with amazing manufacturers and we're really great partners, but minimum order quantities are really high. And as, especially when you launch a new idea or a new concept, you, you have to commit to quite a lot of stock. And if it doesn't work out, which thankfully that never happened to us yet, but it's a big commitment to say like, oh, okay, let's, let's launch a new flavor. Like last year, we launched a new, new flavor called Raspberry Rhubarb. And, and it's, it's always a little bit of a leap of hypothesis to say that is going to work. Um, but obviously, if that leap of faith doesn't pay off, you have maybe potentially a warehouse full of, you know, 60,000 liters worth of product. And, and then you need to sort of hope at the beginning that somebody buys it because you have paid for it. And, and that's probably one of the, the biggest hurdles which we have um, not anticipated. Um, and, and then the other one is right at the beginning, it was actually really difficult to find manufacturers um, because when, when you're small and we had a lot of passion and enthusiasm for what we wanted to build, but we had um, no proof points that it's going to pay off, right? We had maybe 20 coffee shops at the time who stocked the product. And then we went to almost different types of manufacturers and, and it felt strange because we were obviously the potential customer, but it turned out that we had to treat them like they are our customer because we had to like really, really fight quite hard to convince them that it's a good idea to work with us. Which is obviously makes sense when you think about it because NPD and launching new ideas is uh, a big time commitment on their end, right? They need to get to know the recipes. They need to get to know the product. They need to get to know us, uh, our expectations, our expectation on quality and taste. And that takes time and it's time away from where they can make product for somebody else, maybe at a more profitable uh, way. And that, that was really hard. And that is definitely something which we, when we initially created our um, recipes on on the kitchen table. We did not anticipate that. We didn't anticipate all of those various different challenges. Yeah, and to add to this uh, challenge is also the challenge that uh, we obviously had to make a product that tastes great. So um, something that we liked and that also consumers liked. And uh, I think it's sometimes quite difficult to, you know, obviously your own taste um, might be very different to what other people think tastes good so there's a lot of trial and error that goes into that and for us as well it took us a couple of years actually to finalize the recipes 
and it's especially amazing because Julia's and my taste buds are very different. So, um, you know, to, to get to a common uh, taste, we all, we both like uh, for every flavor, that, that, is, that is always a big, uh, uh, a big mission. But then on the other hand, also really important then because that, just, that way we make sure that uh, we, we create something that is truly amazing because if you both like it, it must be good. And, um, and also obviously we'll, we'll, we'll obviously check with loads of people. Um, we do um, lots of samplings um, and, and check with our customers as well. Um, what do they like? What do they not like? Um, but uh, yeah, that was obviously a big process for us. Now, as, um, as Julia said, we launched a new flavor last year and the process to get there was actually super, super quick. Uh, we did it in a couple of months from like idea to actually having it on a shelf, which is uh, amazing, an amazing turnaround. Um, but, you know, that is because we've got a nice process in place now uh, to make that happen really quickly. But it took us a while to get there. So that's definitely something. And the other um, challenge was uh, coming up with branding that kind of matches uh, the, the great liquid on the inside is, is also something, you know, again, um, it's it's so subjective um, and everyone has their opinion, of course, of what, what, what good looks like. But at the end of the day, you have to co uh, communicate to the consumer that the, the product inside is great, it tastes good, and, um, and it does exactly what it says on the pack um, and bring it across without having like a hundred words on it as well. So that was a big challenge too. And it took us quite some time. So we launched the new branding only last year, end of last year. And um, it's already amazing to see the feedback for it. And, um, you know, to know that we've actually nailed it is, is great, but it could have gone the other way as well, uh, because, you know, it's, it, it is so, um, so subjective and, um, and you never quite know until you actually launch it. So that's obviously uh, also been a big challenge for us. We've spoken about the challenges and the hurdles along the way. So, on the flip side of that, what has been your proudest achievement as part of Nixon Kicks? I think my proudest achievement was still, or still is, every time I walk into a nice cafe or a nice deli and I introduce the brand to them for the first time and they taste it, they try it, they like it and they agree to stock it and push it and and that is, for me, is, is still one of the best moments because we, we are working with some of our very, very first customers for five years now, and they're still stocking and supporting Nicks and Cakes. And to see that, to see that, you know, they've grown with us, they supported us from that, that very initial batch we created to what it is now, um, that just, for me, is one of the proudest moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, similar for me. It's always amazing to, first of all, hear end consumers actually meet people. Um, then you talk about our brand and the product and they say, well, actually, yes, I know you. I love your product. That's like so such a great feeling. Um, and also just seeing random people in the street with a can of a drink in their hand is, is pretty amazing, too. And it's uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to pick one. Uh, proudest achievement just because we've had so many good achievements along the way. And obviously the big uh, retail listings we've had, you know, uh, and, and uh, you know, Tesco, Waitrose, Ocado that have already been our customers now for almost four years. It's, it's amazing to obviously uh, get in there first and stay in there as well, uh, because that's always something that people always forget that, you know, obviously it is, it is difficult to get in, no question about it. 
but actually staying in there is almost as uh, difficult, if not even more difficult. And it's, it's quite a proud thing that we've been in there for so long now. And, um, you know, have, have a good relationship with all of our customers. And for the final question I have for you is what advice would you give entrepreneurs looking to get their own feet on the ladder? Or another way of saying it, uh, what would you have done differently looking back now to where you are? It's hard to say what would we have done differently because there's so many things and so many different ways to, you know, to grow. And, um, and sometimes you just have to make a mistake to learn and to move forward. So not, not all the things that weren't quite working right for us were bad for us as such. Um, and no journey is ever easy. I would say um, probably uh, advice to give to someone is, you know, it's, it's definitely not an easy journey for sure. And um, you just have to um, expect a lot of uh, hurdles in the way. Uh, but, you know, if, whenever you, you're stuck or you feel like, especially if someone is on their journey on their own, for us, it's obviously a little bit different because it's both of us. We founded the business together and it's so nice to have a co-founder in the business that can you can lean on. And um, sometimes, you know, I, I don't feel like, uh, you know, I don't feel that great. And Julia's then like, oh, well, no, 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 it's not that bad. Or the other way around. It's great to have that other person. But if you don't have that other person, um, you know, then there are always other people in the industry that uh, have probably had a challenge similar to yours before as well. And, and they can help and more than happy to help just because they know how hard it is. So just, uh, you know, don't feel afraid to reach out to people and, um, you know, ask for advice or, you know, just maybe a friendly chat. Yeah, I, <clears throat> yeah, I totally agree with what Kirsten said. I think having a really strong support network around you and, and being really, really crystal clear about what, what it is you're passionate about. So if you, if you are someone who absolutely loves getting into the product and developing the product and the recipes and thinking of ideas of how to make the recipes super strong and popular, then focus on that and, and find someone who helps you sell. Or if all you want to do is go out and present the brand, but maybe finance isn't your strength, then then go and, and find a person for that. I think what a lot of entrepreneurs do is they, they want to do it all and they want to be great at everything. But reality is you probably have your strengths and, and then just focus on that. And I think the other point is also just know your customers, right? And be really, really crystal clear about who they are, where they shop, what do they do. We have a really, really strong customer profile in mind everywhere they go everywhere we go and and that really helps when we think about opportunities where we, where we should be stocked in who we should be talking to i think we we made that mistake for sure where in the first one or two years we we said like well the product is for everybody it's for everybody and uh it's for breakfast lunch and dinner and uh people have it on their own and they have it as a mixer and you know maybe some people even create ice lollies with it and that's all great and they should all do that. But reality is, while that is maybe true and people replace their morning coffee with nicks and cakes or they, they add maybe a dash of vodka in the evening, we are now really crystal clear of what our core opportunity is and we are super laser focused on that. And, and it's amazing once you provide a little bit of laser focus to a company, how much more successful you get as opposed to when you're like, well, my product is for everybody. And I think that is definitely something that uh, a lot of 
entrepreneurs share at the beginning because they're so passionate about what they're creating and what they do that they obviously think it's the best thing in the world for for everybody but probably turns out that even if you capture 50 percent of a market that's still a very big market you can you can capture well kirsten julia thank you very much for speaking to me today and all the best to you and nixon kicks in the future thanks james